Welcome back to the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kulmer. I'm an international school music education researcher, consultant, and teacher trainer. And this podcast is all about exploring the unique world of international schooling and music education. And since many of our listeners are working in the Northern Hemisphere, I also want to welcome you back to a new school year and hope you had a wonderful summer break. Uh, It's been nice, actually, to observe the relative radio silence uh, in the online space with teachers taking a break after what I'd say has been, I don't know, one of the most intense academic years ever last year. For many, I think 2022, 23 was all about bouncing back after a couple of years of COVID restrictions. Uh, Yeah, with concerts, trips and in-person music making becoming a huge focus. I'm really looking forward to the year ahead uh, for MTIS, where we'll continue to curate content and provide space for connection between our global community. We'll be doing some more conversations with experts in our community, and we'll be hosting some amazing future-focused professional learning, including the World Music Pedagogy course and the big gig from Musical Futures International, plus more. So keep an eye out for those opportunities. Okay, on to today's episode. Often at the start of the year, our school leaders encourage us to set professional learning goals, right? And plan for the year ahead, of course. So to start off this year, I invited the team from Musical Futures International, which includes previous podcast guests, Anna Gower and Steve Jackman, plus the director, Ken Owen, to explore the question, what makes good international school music teacher professional learning? For those who've attended a Musical Futures International Conference or workshop, you will know that this organization has progressed a long way from the original Musical Futures models that started in the UK some years back. The organization continues to be backed by the Lucy Green groundbreaking research, um, but now involves the absolute cutting edge in music education ideas, including training teachers to use the latest classroom-centric music-making software and hardware, Uh, new approaches to jamming, improvisation, singing, primary and secondary general music unit planning, and lots more. So this is a fun conversation uh, where we all kind of banter a bit, and we really hope to inspire you as you prepare to set your professional learning goals for the year ahead. So please enjoy. All right, so we're here today to talk about professional learning in the context of music education international schools i don't know we're going to see where this goes let's introduce ourselves a bit anna hi i'm anna um i work at st andrews international school bangkok and i am a teacher of primary music but i've been teaching high school music as well this term which is great to see some progression for the children coming from very little to very big um i also have got quite a varied history with delivering pd courses um to people across the world so it's a subject that i'm really passionate about and interested in and steve hi i'm steve i'm head of curriculum music at shrewsbury international school again in bangkok um and i also um am an apple professional learning specialist so i do um, quite a bit of training with apple Nice. And we will be joined by Ken Owen in a minute and we'll get him to introduce himself. But um, I'll just add my two cents. I'm currently working on teacher training programs at university in Australia 
and helping support music teachers with some online learning options and in-person learning things through the Music Teachers in International Schools Network. So let's start with you, Anna. We've kind of come up with these questions a little bit together anyway, but one question that you sort of threw in the pile was, why is it important for music teachers, international school music teachers, take it where you want, why is it important for them to access PD in the first place? Well, I think it doesn't matter where you're teaching as music teachers and specialists, what we do in our role it sits aside from what everybody else does, doesn't it? So, you know, in an international school, particularly primary school, you've got all your class teachers doing their thing. And then you've got specialists um, who operate in, in quite a different way. And even in big schools, I've always found that we can be quite isolated through some of those differences. So there's differences in the way that we interact with the children in our practical lessons and the way that we assess children in the way that we make music with them you know, classroom management, there's lots of things that operate quite differently for music and then throwing in all the events and how busy we are. It's not easy sometimes to actually interact with in-school PD and it's not easy for in-school PD to be really relevant to us as, as music teachers. So I think that PD is really crucial for music teachers because it brings us together with other teachers and with some time and space to have those conversations that can be really impactful on what we're doing, sharing experiences and ideas. I think it's a really good opportunity to get us out of our international school bubbles where things are quite often set in stone or we're quite restricted in what we can do to take us out to, to just have that headspace really to think about what we do and why we do it. But also the world of music education is vast and there's such a lot going on in other schools and organisations and across the world that actually being able to access some of that and to, to think about how you might change something that you're doing that will have a greater impact on the experiences your children have musically in school is, is really crucial. Yeah, and I want to add to that, just going to someone else's music department and seeing what they have can often be amazing. We've been doing that a bit with these music department tours with the MTIS in a kind of virtual sense, but... Yeah, I often love that part of just going to a PD in another school. Anything you want to add, Steve? Yeah, just as as teachers in a, in a career, maybe over 30, 40 years, we've just got to always be thinking to the future. Like music is always progressive. Like there's always new genres, new technologies, new styles. And if we want to keep music relevant, then um, as teachers, we need to continue to professionally develop this. One question I've been pondering a fair bit about this is how so many of us were trained in kind of Western style conservatory degrees. Do you think there's something in that as well? I mean, you just touched on it, I think, Steve, but like maybe our training is was in one way and music has progressed so far. Is that part of it too? So I think James Humberstone says it much better, but essentially we are the people that benefited from the status quo of music education. And so we just continue to replicate that process. It worked for me. And so I can, that's the way I teach potentially. Whereas actually, if we're trying to, to design music education for the 95% that it didn't work for, then it's going to look very different. And that creates a lot of tension between the kind of, what you could say is traditional. Traditional, in my perspective, just means I teach the way I was taught. And the idea that, that we're trying to bring something new to the table that will engage different groups of learners than is traditionally taught. James Humberstone is uh, Sydney Uni? 
sitting conserved Hoya. Yeah, uh, really active on Twitter, has some great things to say. So that whole conversation is one we could probably spend a fair bit of time on, but go and have a look at what he's talking about. Anna, did you want to add something there? Yeah, it's a slightly unformed thought, but while Steve was talking there about, you know, certainly my music education was very Western classical tradition in focus, but in my actual practice as a teacher, it's it's very much more about that idea of holistic learning that Lucy Green talks about, um, where you start with a piece of music and it can be anything. And then, you, you you know, this idea of of taking students on musical journeys doesn't have to be genre specific and it allows for, for children to bring in all of their own sort of previous experience with music and their love of music and everything else. So I think what I'm saying is that rather than being genre specific, I like to be approached that it's it's the aspects of music, the little bits and pieces and building blocks that we work with, with, with the children in the lessons that then becomes a new piece of music or it takes us on these journeys rather than today we are learning how to write crotchets on a stave. You know, that might come as part of the process. And, and I've been busy creating a new curriculum for my school. And part of this is music theory moments where at a relevant point, we will jump into some music theory and it will hopefully have some relevance to what, what we're hearing and experiencing in the classroom. Was distracted by Ken's underwear. On- <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. Really- so, uh, so you you think it's random, but actually Ken chose the space specifically because we've got this thing about what we call garage-based learning. It's the idea of the garage being a creative space. If you think about Apple started out in a garage, Disney started out in a garage. You know, rock bands they're always rehearsing in garage, and you have garage music, and so. He, he really wanted to focus on in the informal learning space that is. The Thank you for picking up on the vibe, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, Ken. We've um, just been chatting about a couple of things about, I guess, why teachers might want to access PD, why it's important for teachers. But before we kind of launch into the next question, do you want to just say hi, tell us a bit about yourself, and then we'll crack on from there? Sure. Um, teacher and musician by background, and um, Director of Musical Futures International, which is just all about teacher PD, really. It's as simple as that. Great. And yeah, if you are watching this, you can see Ken's washing in the background. So, you know, get a deep I'm insight. In my daughter's place, it is shifting today, shifting house, and um, it's just bedlam, can I say? Well, thanks for sparing the time. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my do- my granddaughter's children's underwear over there, just to clarify, which is a little more palatable. <laughs> Who wants to jump in on the question? What has been some of your favorite PD sessions that you've attended and why? Anna? Um, so my favorite PD is is experiential. So it's actually doing something from the perspective of a learner, but one that actually allows you to think about it while you're doing it. So, you know, PD where, where you're doing it and you can think, oh, I could try this and that could work and that could work. You've got freedom within whatever the task is to actually think about it. My least favourite, and I think we might be touching on this later, is where that's not made possible because it is so directed. You will do this and hit this and hit this. And worst of all, I do this and I do that and I do that. Drives me crazy because I'm not interested, really. What I want to do is think about my context, my learners, my situation and and my experiences as that learner, which I can then kind of try and twist around and think, okay, well, how am I going to take this back and translate it? So those are my favourite kinds of PD where it's hands-on and practical and you're making something and being musical preferably outside of comfort zones is also good too because then you kind of but but in that atmosphere where it's okay to take risks where the facilitator is allowing 
that kind of space and time for you to try things out and do it in your own way. Those are my favorites. Steve, got some thoughts on that? I think that that good PD is as as bit like good teaching in the sense that learning is hard. So you know we should be feeling a little, getting out of our comfort zone, feeling a little bit uncomfortable and challenged, and hopefully, but obviously enjoying learning as well. I think PD needs to be fun in a challenging way, not necessarily just fun. But yeah, I think that good PD is like a good lesson. You know, people are choosing to be there and and you really need to show up with something that's going to be interactive, engaging and, and stuff that they can take away straight away the next day into their classroom. So maybe some long-term things to think about, but also some quick wins to take back to the classroom. I think that's a really good, Steve. I think it, even one step further, I love something that's disruptive. You know, where teachers go along and hear more of what they want and get new things, that's great. But challenging, yes, and I think in this world of change that we need disruptors. And, um, you know, in the early days of Music Futures, it was a disruptor and people really didn't like it and, in fact, walked out. And, you know, I kind of like that um, the edginess of that, the challengingness, and um, I think we need more of that today. So people go, people don't choose to go to PD that is not, they choose to go what they think they want to hear. So it's very hard to get people to go to things that are challenging for them. Yeah, fair point. Has anyone got any thoughts on what might be some disruptive music ed PD that's around or? Technology, Chris, you know, you'd be fully aware of yourself because you're involved. You see that? Yeah, things that focus on contemporary music genres that are being made by young people today and, and that, that are very challenging for people of the age 20 above to access. For some teachers, they don't want to sing because, you know, I don't do singing and they don't want to play anything. Oh, no, oh, no, I don't play the guitar. Well, pick one up and have a go. <laughs> you know, that's and, and I've been in that position myself. I felt really, really uncomfortable. But, you know, that's that's why go to a music PD if you're not going to play something? Why go to a, a music PD? Surely that's what we're trying to encourage for our students. So as teachers, sometimes we've got to bridge that gap. And, and as PD facilitators and in searching out PD for members of our teams, we need to, that's what we need. We need to find that magic moment, which which sort of takes away some of that fear. And tech, I would 100% agree with because I'm too old to be techie. I'm too old to really understand what the kids are listening to these days. But I feel like I do have a responsibility to do it. So if I can go to a PD and be delivered some things that, you know, challenge me a little bit, then that's really good. The other one that I was thinking of is culturally diverse music or world music, however we want to place it. But from a completely different pedagogy, which is something I've been really enjoying lately, which is looking at all this music that's from all around the world, where some would say 80% of the world's music is orally taught and learnt and informally taught and learnt. And yet we rarely look at it or teach it from that perspective. And so I think that's a really disruptive way of looking at of music ed PD. And I've been quite excited by it and challenged by it. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, that really was the disruption originally of musical futures through informal learning, which is to listen listen and play first, you know, copy here, listen and play. As I say, there's some issues around, don't like the word, authenticity, isn't there? Because I, I really don't feel like I'm, I should be teaching some of these music from other cultures because I haven't been enculturated in it myself or, I, you, you know, I... It, it, am I really in a position to teach hip hop and rap or, or, you know, some of the stuff the kids are listening to? I'm not so sure that that's, um, 
that that's my place to be doing. So I think there's a balance to be found where, you know, we make we take those steps and we we make take that initiative to actually enculturate ourselves into it before we then take the step of saying, oh, well, all world music is pentatonic. So we're going to do some pentatonic compositions today because there's a whole world out there that sits around that concept. And, and, and you know, I, I, I feel like PD opportunities to do that um, would be really useful. Yeah. And it's all about a pedagogy as well. Like the approach to teaching it maybe has to be viewed differently where it's similar to the musical futures model of facilitator you go in less as the expert and more as the facilitator and use oral learning models of okay we're going to listen to this music and respond to it and then construct ideas around it which is a whole other conversation probably but i think these are the sort of challenges that we can be exposed to through high quality pd steve we've been talking a bit in the past about online learning and we sort of identified it at the beginning too in person online there's these two options especially post-covid what's your perspective on online pd and you've done a fair bit of work on this i think with a dissertation so yeah what's your perspective on it what's some of the i don't know good ways that online pd can be done from your understanding first of all you have to start with it it depends what you're looking for because if you're looking for some online PD that is going to, that you just want to do something in your own time, that's quite sure, you're just trying to get some specific skills, then an online course could really be as simple as some YouTube videos. But then having done an entire kind of master's online on online learning, it, there, there are so many different ways you can tackle it, whether it's synchronous, so you know, when everybody's live, or asynchronous, or a bit of both. And I feel like a bit like, normal pd you want a variety of activities you don't want it to just be some videos with some discussion boards you, you really want to build a community of people a community of learners that can kind of travel together over a period of time so the best courses i've done is i've, I've been part of a, a community of learners and maybe it's been a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous learning there might be a whatsapp group or a twitter group or a slack group or discord or whatever but I've also built long lasting connections with people who I've done online PD with, even though I've never met them, we still kind of it's, it's expanded my professional learning network. And so it kind of moved beyond the, what the original aims are, were of the PD to actually build a, a professional learning network that's kind of helped sustain learning for the long term. So with regard to online PD, obviously during COVID, there was so much of it about and I'm interested in in hearing about experiences where people, so I did a couple where people were trying to really replicate what a real life PD would be like for doing it online. And we kept getting dropped into breakout groups. Hey guys, now you're going to go in this breakout group and you're going to talk to these people about what you, and it, and it was awful because I felt that the same structures where you might go off in a group and discuss something or do something or create something just really didn't work online for so many different reasons. So with online learning, is it necessary to actually rethink the structure of PD and how it works to make it actually more relevant for, you know, where we all are in our spaces when we're trying to, to access it. I think you need to get people comfortable communicating with each other. Um, I think if you had a face-to-face -face PD, you would, you know, you'd have coffee and tea and people would get to meet each other and you'd have icebreaker activities. And then you could do the same for online learning as well as to have those icebreaker activities and allow people 
to find their own groups as well and make make their own friends so again that kind of brings in that informal learning aspect where people are given choice and a voice of, of the way to learn and also they're bringing their own expertise in as well i think that's one other thing i've found from good good pd is that that you're asking people to bring their expertise to the table so everybody's kind of contributing to to the learning ken You've been delivering music PD for ages. How many years? Well, I can't divulge the the, the number because you know it, it's too big. <laughs> <laughs> Three under the bus there. What would you say have been some of your most successful approaches to PD over the years? I think it's uh, the most joyful ones where you find people that respond to the challenge that's thrown into something different. And it actually changes their behaviour and their teaching class to the better. You know, the hardest thing in life is to change is human behaviour. And uh, this is what, when you're doing professional development, you're trying to influence. And uh, and if you're trying to challenge someone and hope that this behaviour goes back into school the next day or successively in a positive way, then you've got to get a lot of things right. And it's also not about just what we deliver. It's how, how it's taken on board. And um, the most rewarding things that have happened in my time, particularly Music of Futures, is that um, teachers have become happier because children have behaved better. We're happier as teachers when, when children's behaviour is, is better and that children are succeeding. There have been a lot of cases where excitement brought out by kids in their you know, new access to instruments and, and their student-centred learning has provided a much better environment for, for teachers to live and thrive. And that is the most rewarding thing, bar nothing, that has happened. That's not always the case, Chris. The worlds don't align with, with people and there's some people who are just not so inclined to want to do things this way. But but that would be the thing for me. Do you kind of go into your sessions with a really clear structure of every element of the PD or do you tend to let things flow and create a real sense of environment? I'm happy to create chaos and um, Anna and I differ on this opinion where she'd like to outline quite clearly our goals and aims where I am more happy to let chaos ensure. So we might, you know, create some, get some questions and even a bit of agitation to, to get towards the end, end result in the bit about more about the disruption. When you talk about informal learning, how can you structure it to, to the behest of those people involved? And every, if you've got 20 individuals in a PD, wow, they all bring teaching as a result of their experiences and their own life experience and personality. Now, you're not going to hit home run with every one of those person in, in there. You're not going to resonate to the degree you'd like to um, with everyone. I don't think you have to be structured. You have to try and appeal to people. Can I jump in? It's just like good teaching. So a good PD facilitator will read the room and allow for participants to support each other. So it doesn't matter who you've got in that room. You might have people who are nervous, cautious, super confident, overconfident, bullish annoying you know all of that stuff but if you if your pd is very much around making music together quite often that levels out and settles out some of those personalities and relationships within a group and you find just like kids do in a class that that these things start to develop and then you can allow your pd to run around those relationships or around those things that are happening so it's about like everything reading the room it's very good idea ken i'd say to have a basic structure in mind for what you want to deliver rather than have entire chaos that doesn't mean that you can't be flexible within it just by looking at what's happening around the room and the things that when we're delivering pd together 
you know, I we constantly are like, don't go and interfere with that group. They're doing really well. No, don't rush the ending. And you're like, come on, we need to wind it up. So it's all about having the experience, I think, to be able to read the room. And it's not, PD should never be the same. Doesn't matter how many times you delivered the same session. It's just like a lesson. It should never look exactly the same because you've never got the same people and personalities and and things in a room. So that that I think is crucial to to making a successful PD. But it's a bit like being in a band, isn't it? You know, you go in a band, well, that's often chaos, you know, and getting people on the same page. So you, your analogy is better about good teaching in a classroom. But playing music together with people can be a little chaotic and unstructured and, you know, too. But, but Ken, just that's exactly the same, isn't it, as being a teacher in informal learning? You know, when you've got kids working in band situations and you have to go in there and read the, read the room and read the situation and respond to that in a way which is appropriate for that group, it's no different with adults or teachers or anybody else that you're working with. Totally agree. Coming up in September, we have the big gig KL, and this has come off the back of another big gig. It was in Bangkok, which was really successful. We had a great time, lots of people together, doing all the stuff we've kind of just talked about. And so KL... Is coming up and it's pretty exciting it's going to be cool steve can you tell us a bit about what we're going to be doing what it's going to look like well it's going to be an awesome two days chris of um, music making with uh, guitars keyboards drums bass music technology loop pedals and really we'll be forcing teachers to have fun get a little bit out of their comfort zone write the best songs they've ever written in their life make lifelong learning friends, and generally um, get loads of ideas to take back to their classrooms that's really going to kind of develop the future of music education is what we have. Well, the present of music education, we can't see into the future. Well, I can't, but, you know, we can try and bring things to the present of music education is what we're looking to do. Did you say force them to have fun? I did say that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sometimes it is a bit like that, you know, like you're at, you're at a party and it's like, come on, come and dance, come and dance. No, I don't want to. I'm just going to stand at the side. No, come on. It'll be fun, I promise. So there is that. It does require creating that kind of safe space um, where everybody kind of feels like they can be dancing like their dad if they want to. <laughs> Great. Anyone want to add anything to what's coming up at the big gig? That was brilliant. Well done. That's exactly what it'd be like, Steve. Lots of dad dancing, yeah. No dad dancing. I'm not allowing that. No dad dancing. Um, so the other thing that tends to happen and certainly happened in the Big Gig Bangkok, which actually took place in this room, bits of it too, is there'll be lots of opportunity to meet other teachers. We're still a bit post-COVID in terms of coming to face-to-face -to -face PD and travelling. And so the chance just to come together with like-minded people, I think, will be really a special one for the teachers, especially those people traveling from international schools, or maybe people who've come out and are new to international teaching. This might be their first kind of international PD if they've just come out and started in new schools. So I think alongside all the kind of musical learning and, and disrupting and all the other things that we've been talking about, it's going to be just a chance to 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 convene with people and have those conversations and chats and, and be in somebody else's school and 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 socialize with people and network and, and make some friends and contacts for the future. That seems to be part of the recipe for Musical Futures conferences, right? This collectivity, community building. Would that be right, Ken? I hope so. Hmm. Simple as that. And adding to that, one of the successful uh, things we had at the, the big gig in Bangkok was we had an unconference session where we invited delegates to to sign up to present. And, and that really kind of brought some super interesting ideas 
that um, I think some of the highlights of the uh, of the entire PD was nothing that we had organized ourselves. So that I'm supposed to say that, but yeah, people bringing their expertise and sharing it was was super valuable, and I hope that for the big gig KL, it'll be the same that, that we'll have some superstars sharing their ideas too. That's a good idea. We're going to incorporate that in Melbourne too, Steve. Just very short ten minute sections. I think it was a highlight. Well, I, the the reason that that these sorts of sessions are important. I mean, how often do you go to a PD and somebody says, "Oh, at the beginning of the day, well, if anyone wants to get up and present later, you can do." It, it never happens because you're so busy being delivered to whatever the set thing is that you're being delivered. There's very little chance to share. You might be able to put your hands up and answer a question about, oh, could you share an example of something you did in your classroom? That was quite good. But this is different. This is about actually thinking, yes, there is something that that works well that I'd like to share with these people. And it, and it is connected to some of the musical experiences we've been having. And I think, again, I keep going back to what makes good PD, but it really does. The people sitting in front of you are not blank canvases and complete beginners you'll have people who've had years of teaching experience or taught around the world and you'll have people who are newly qualified and just acknowledging all of those experiences in the room is really important so I I really enjoyed the young conference session too because of that and I was kind of walking around seeing the confidence and the, the passion that people were bringing about things that they do with their kids and sharing those with other people that was really lovely. Does anyone want to add anything before we wrap up about professional learning in music education or generally and or the big gig kale or pet hates and our worst ever pd we didn't get to that question but if anyone has some examples without you know digging too deep what's been your worst pd you've ever been to are there been times where you know people have come to pd and they're disconnected and um if if it ever gets to the time where it's so blatant you have to go and find out why it's often because their personal circumstances that have lead them there that day had just have been horrendous you know that we we sometimes you know have things in life that you know we have to acknowledge and uh or they've been sent to something that they just did not want to go to for a particular reason um and that's happened in musical futures a couple of times where faculty leaders have wanted to forcibly change behaviors and uh by doing so compulsory fun is one thing steve but i think you know forcibly changing what you do day to day is is a very very hard thing to it should be led not mandated you know so th there are there are times where i go wow <laughs> this person just hates me <laughs> that it happens but uh usually you dig a bit further it's not that personal and that's something actually can you're really good at doing i've seen you at the coffee break make a make a point of going and speaking to that person and having the, the general conversation and, and basically finding out what the issues are and then come bringing them back into the sessions and fixing it and and it certainly improves the atmosphere in the room when that does happen so i think that again that's that's quite a great skill of a, of a facilitator to be able to do that good teachers do that every day as you said before don't they don't we don't we find kids in every class that that's what good teachers do and i think that's a natural the only pd i can think of that wasn't great was is that time and i think you mentioned at the start Anna, where you're you have to go to a whole school PD that's just completely irrelevant or it might be on something like and I don't want to ostracize the music departments here but like literacy and numeracy PD and you're just sitting there going okay I like I need to know a bit of this but I really don't need to be here for two hours but you have to go there so it's almost like as a music teacher if we can get some really relevant music centric PD it's just so great when you get forced to go to all these other PDs that are okay, but not that applicable at times. I don't know if anyone else has had that experience. Well, I worked in a school once where 
for whole school PDs, the layout of the room was English at the front, party tables, you know, English, maths, humanities, science, languages, RE, music, PE and others. So we were always at the back of the room, always. And because we were small departments, we couldn't fill a whole table with our department. So you'd end up sitting opposite somebody that you'd never met, like a couple of supervisor who was new. We'd be going, all right, okay. And then the group tasks would start. Okay, talk about how you do this in your department. And we'd be going, mm, this is good. And actually the stage is a really long way. And would anybody actually even notice if I just went to get a cup of tea right now? Because, you know, we are, we way to make you feel undervalued <laughs> is to have a seating plan like that. Um, and the worst kind of part of that, this was in the UK, is that that's your PD. You know, oh, well, we, you know, we, we don't, we don't have a budget for external PD. You, you, you will access the school PD the same as everybody else. And if that's your experience, well, then, you know, you can understand why some some music teachers feel extremely isolated in a situation like that. Fair call. Anyone want to add anything before we finish up? I just say that um, going to the big gig in KL and and you'll see what good PD looks like. Um, I think it's a good. It sets the bar for other PD as far as I'm concerned. I would say that, but I challenge people to see otherwise. Looking from the other side of, of PD offers, quite often teachers will say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go this time, but I'll go next year. And the thing is that running PD isn't easy It's it, and it doesn't make money and, and it, it's not really often very cost effective to run PDs. So my advice is if you see a PD opportunity that you think you might want to go to, go now, because there's absolutely no guarantee that if you don't go now, it probably won't be there next year for you to go. And it certainly won't be there the year after. So, you know, again, in our post-COVID world, I think people need to just jump in and take the PD opportunities where they can find them and then take the opportunity to feed back to people about what the most useful PD for them is so that we can have more of it. That's a great point. And another thought I just had is if you'd been to the big gig Bangkok, would you suggest going to KL as well? For sure, um, because it'll be different because it's a different group of people. And if you re really um, enjoy the Big Kick Bangkok, then you'd go along to consolidate that learning and, and develop new learning and get even better. Just like a, a song is never finished, there's always ways to improve it. There's, it's, you know, learning, there is no finish line. Yeah, I was going to say NKL that you know one thing that musical features is really good at doing is drawing on the expertise which is in our host schools or, or people who that we know that are doing great things in those in those areas so just like in Bangkok where we had people coming along to present that that weren't part of the musical features core team the same will happen in KL so we're really looking forward to presentations you know from teachers in the host school from people in the local area who will certainly bring a different perspective to what what happened in Bangkok great well thanks everyone that was really fun. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Ken. And if you want to know more about Music Education PD, you can get in touch with any of us. We'll have contact details in the show notes. You can jump online at Musical Futures International to find information about the Big Gig KL. Anything else to add, people? Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Great. Have a great rest of the day. You yeah, too. Everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. Listen to other episodes by visiting mtiis.com or learn more about our community on Facebook by simply searching for Music Teachers in International Schools. If you know someone who you think I should get on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at chriskulma.com, C-H-R-I-S-K-O-E, 
lma.com. See you next time.